Uh, we're going to open in prayer. And Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity to come before you and just to worship you. Lord, we do thank you for your wonderful grace that reaches us and allows us to be able to be in your presence, that you give us all that we don't deserve because of your grace. We just thank you for that in your son's precious name. Amen. Colossians chapter 4, starting at verse 5, and we're going to read two verses today. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So here we are. We're getting ready to wrap up this book in the next uh, month or two. Uh, and it starts out with a command, walk in wisdom. And this is a command that we have is in our day-to-day -day walk. We're to walk or make our way, you make use of our days and times with wisdom. And wisdom here literally means skill and discretion in imparting Christ's truth. Okay? How do we talk to people? How do we live? Are we living in a way that shows people Christ? All right? And this is very important. Wisdom, in a normal definition I give you, is applied knowledge. Okay? How many of you know people that are very, very smart but are really dumb in everything they do? Okay? <laughs> And we all know somebody that's probably that way. They, they can tell you just about everything. They know facts. They might even be in the church. They know the Bible inside out. They can tell you all the facts, but they don't live anything that they know. You know, we all know people like this. And here he says, walk in wisdom. Take what you learn and apply it to your life. I would rather see people who know very little about God's word, but apply what they know than to know a whole bunch about God's word and don't apply it. Because it's wonderful. Those are the ones that Jesus called hypocrites. The scribes and Pharisees, they were quoted scripture all the time to him. And he's going, you're just hypocrites. You're, you can quote it. You pretend, to, you pretend to obey it. But you're not applying it to your life. And here Paul is wrapping up this book of Colossians that says, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Apply what you've been taught. When, we, when God tells us that we're to, to love one another, we're to love one another. Now, is it easy to love other people? Well, somewhat yes, but in reality, sometimes not. You know, it's easier to love people than to like people. You know, but you know, he tells us to love. He tells us to forgive one another. You know, so many times I come across people that have, have a problem with somebody, and they haven't, it hasn't been just days. It hasn't been weeks. They've been having a problem with somebody for years, decades, uh, probably not centuries. We don't usually live long enough to have a problem with centuries. But you know, they have a problem with somebody, and they've had it for a long time. And every time they, they don't even have to see the person they're so angry with them. They just have to think about them. You know, have you ever talked to somebody, and you mention somebody's name, and all of a sudden they just tense up? Because they have such a bad problem with that person that they just, they just tense up and they're angry just at the mention of their name? You know, how much control does somebody have over your life to have that be the case? We need to learn to forgive so that we can have, be able to at least think about that person. Maybe, I will never say they'll probably be your best friend you know, that you want to hang out with, but we need to be able to be forgiving enough that 
the mention of their name doesn't irritate us. The, the sight of them doesn't irritate us. You know, again, we may not, they may never be your best friend, but forgive them. Forget about your anger toward them. It's very important on that. And it says that we are to walk in this integrity, this uprightness. Now, where does the power come for this kind of walk? It comes from God. We cannot walk in the integrity and wisdom without the power of God. How do we get the power of God? We ask God, Jesus to be our Savior. He comes and indwells us, and he changes us. The power of his changing being is amazing. And those of you who know that know exactly what I'm talking about. You turn over your problems to him, and he gives you the power to get over them. He gives you the power to forgive people. He gives you the power to love them. He is the one that does that. In Psalm 8, 2, it says that he ordains the strength to be his followers. God has given us the strength. He wants to give you the strength to do this stuff. We talk of, we sang about God's wondrous grace. And we've talked about this. The word grace is not just something we say before, before we eat. It's not just somebody who walks around in a nice, smooth, possess, uh, uh, poised way. It literally, in the way we use it in church, is God giving us what we don't deserve. He wants to give us the strength to walk in his ways. Now, usually we kind of go, God, I just, I like being mad at this person. I like being unloving. I, I like doing what's in the flesh. And God said, well, if that's really what you want to do, then you can do that. But I've got strength for you to live in victory. You know, I talk to lots of people. They all want to live in victory, but they don't want to do what it takes to be victorious, which is surrender to God. Surrender to the Father to be victorious, and he gives the strength. In 2 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 10, it says that he gives, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. When we fail, when we do not walk the way he wants us to do, we go, God, I'm sorry. And his grace comes along and says, I've got the strength for you to get through. His mercy gives us the way to out of the problem. But he, he wants all the things to be there. In Hebrews 11:34, it tells us he makes us strong. So kind of making a point here. How do we get victory? How do we walk in this strength? He does the work. You know, and we've talked about this. In 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, a second, yeah. <laughs> somebody's, knocking, somebody's knocking back there. In Galatians 2.20, we're told, I am crucified with Christ. My flesh is to be crucified, and God lives through me. He gives me strength. He gives me the power. He gives me the ability to love. But it's all because of him. Uh, John 15, 1-5. I want to read that one, those verses. John 15, 1-5 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch that is in me that bears not fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit now you are clean through the word which I have spoken into you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine nor can you except you abide in me 
I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Most important, how do we live the Christian life? We get ourselves attached to God. And without him, we won't live. And this is a great picture for anybody who likes growing plants. I've always told you I have a black thumb. If I touch plants, they die. So, but I'm familiar with some of the principles you're supposed to do with plants. Uh, one of them is if you're trying to grow cucumbers, say, and you cut the, the, the vine off the root, that vine is going to die. It's, even if it had a cucumber sticking on the end, it will die. All right. Another thing I've been told is that if you take off the extra flowers, you get bigger fruit. Okay. Uh, if you're trying to grow cucumbers and there's, you know, ten flowers on it, if you want big cucumbers, you take off a few of the flowers and get bigger fruit, which is what Jesus just said here. Every vine that's producing fruit, he purges. He does what it takes to grow good fruit. All right. And I know it's true of bananas, though most of you may not know that. You know, banana it keeps growing and keeps growing a bulb down at the bottom. And if you don't chop that bulb off, you end up with finger-sized bananas, which don't feed, very, don't feed you very well. <laughs> but the, if you cut the bulb off at the bottom and, you say, and it feeds the, the bananas, they grow bigger. And I saw somebody one time, and they complained. I go, they go, my banana tree just produces little fingers. And I go, well, I learned this in Guam. You cut off the bottom bulb, and it and it will grow bigger, bigger bananas. So this is what Jesus is saying. If we're not attached to him, we're dead. We will not grow. We will not produce anything without being attached to him. If we are attached to him, the Father purges us. How does it, how does it work on purging? We've talked many times. He sends us trials. You know, all these trials that we don't think are good are God saying, I'm going to help you grow. I'm going to help you grow and learn from all of this. He is our strength. He is our power to grow. He is our very life when he fills us. Why are we walking in wisdom? This verse tells us, for those that are without. In other words, the non-Christians, maybe even backslidden Christians. You know, our goal of living a life of Christ is so people will see Christ in this world. How many of us have the advantage of the disciples? The disciples walked with Jesus for four years. And yet, they didn't fully understand anything that was going on until the Holy Spirit came in them and reminded them of all that they had seen. How does the world see Christ in our day? They see it through us. They see us with our joy, our peace in the situations we go through. They see him in the way we love one another and love them. They see him in the way we're patient with one another and that we show grace to one another. When we're attacking each other, they look at us and say, well, you guys are no different than everybody else. If we break up at every little problem that comes our way, they're going, well, what do you have that I don't have? But when you walk through your trials, with God's peace and his grace. And you may not smile all the time, but in generally you're, you're in a fairly good mood. And they look at you and they say, you're different. You have something that I want. 
can't tell you how many prisoners have come up to me over the last year and a half and go, why are you always in such a good mood? Why are you always doing this? And I go, I, I, I love that question. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Let me tell you what I have that you don't have. And get to tell them about the gospel of Christ. Are you living in a way that, sa- that draws people to say, I want what you have, or does your life basically tell everybody, I'm just like you and, and don't have anything that you want? How do we do it? We tie into Jesus. We become rooted into the root, and he gives us life. Then the last thing he says is redeeming the time. Now, we've talked about this. Redeeming means to buy back, to purchase back. Redeeming the time. How many of us have gone a whole day without ever thinking we have had a divine appointment? We didn't see anybody to talk about Jesus to. And I've shared with you, when I do my day right, I've read my Bible, I'm singing, I'm praising God as I cross the, cross the yard to my, to my office. I'm in the right frame of mind. I'm thinking about God. When I have a day like that, it's amazing how many people I get to talk to about Jesus. Because yeah, I'm focused on him. <laughs> If I have a day where I'm just having a bad day and not, t- not thinking about Jesus and everything, I get to the end of the day and go, God, I haven't talked to anybody about you. What, how come you didn't send anybody in my way? And when I do that, he kind of reminds me of all the different people I saw that should have been talked to. Should have been talked to. And much of our day when I walk with God is where are we with him? If our minds are focused on this world, the flesh that's going on around us, we're not going to talk to anybody. We're not going to have a good time. We're not going to, we're not going to talk to people about Jesus because we're not thinking about him. If I'm thinking about him, it's amazing how many divine opportunities pop up. People cross your paths that just, ha- just ask the right question that, that leads into a conversation about Jesus. Or they make a comment about you then ask you why you're in such a good mood. You know, I, I love it. I love going to work and everybody's going, oh, it's Monday. I go, I just love these days. It's wonderful to come, to come and be able to, to have another day with God. And they look at me like I'm a nut, but that's okay. <laughs> I am. I know that. <laughs> you know, we, we are a strange people to the world. We really are. And we need to be able to understand that we are strange to the world because we don't think the way they do. We don't act the way they do. Or we're not supposed to think and act the way they do. Sad thing is, many times we do think and act the way they do. But he says, I am in you. Your flesh has been crucified. You're to think differently. You're to act differently. The things that the world think are funny should not necessarily be funny to a Christian. I do not enjoy listening to most comics because what they make fun of is what God says is very serious, and it's not funny to me. Even some Christian comics make fun of things I don't think should be made fun of. But they're at least easier to understand because they're not making fun of as much. But you know, what is funny? What do we find funny? What do we find normal? Have you, ever, have you looked at your life as you've been walking with God and seen that what you think is normal changes over time? You know, how many of you never thought you'd ever be in a church <laughs> every Sunday? You know, and God's saying, yeah, I know, yeah, we've talked about that. <laughs> you know, now, and yet, you get to the place where you're going, God, I can't think of any place I'd rather be but listening to your word. You know, never thought you'd pick up a Bible and read it, and all of a sudden you're going, God, I'm always reading your word. We find out our normal changes. And as you mature in God, your normal is still going to change. 
every time you go around, it'll change, and more things will be uh, spiritual will become normal as you give more of your life to God. Our very way of thinking and acting changes as we stand with God and, and learn from God. And that is something that the world looks at and says, boy, you guys are weird. You know, all you Christians are a bunch of weird people. And you know what? When they do that, if they say that to you, say, thank you. <laughs> we are. But you know what? The ones who are weird are actually the majority that are living in the flesh. We weren't created to live in the flesh. Adam and Eve were created to walk with God. And they sinned and separated themselves from God. The, the majority live in the abnormal. We live in the normal. If we're following God and being changed, we are living in what is normal for human beings or what was supposed to be normal for human beings. So when they say that we're weird, that's fine. We're living normal and they're not. That's fine. <laughs> the next one says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Let your speech be seasoned with grace. <laughs> How easy is it for us <laughs> to get angry at somebody, to put them down, to tear them apart? Even if you're not angry, it's easy to put somebody down, tear them apart. And God's saying, be gracious. Be kind. Edify one another. Lift one another up. Now, he does add on here, with salt. Okay. Being kind and gracious to people does not mean we're ever gonna, not ever going to tell them that they're wrong. Okay. That they're sinning. That they're headed the wrong way. But how do we do it? You know, there's, there's one thing about saying somebody, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Okay, that's not very gracious. It is true. But that's not a very gracious way to say it. But if you come up to them and say, you know, I'm really concerned about you because the lifestyle you're living is a sinful lifestyle and it leads to hell. There's a statement that is gracious, loving, and concerning and still has the truth that's, that they're going to take hard to say, hard to hear. Now, as a manager, I learned a long time ago how to be able to say things to people that are very hard to say to them, but yet say it in a way that they would listen to most of the time. Basically, by applying just this kind of thing, you speak softly and graciously with them, and then you give them some of the hard stuff that they need to hear. And even when you're saying the hard things, you don't come across bitter and angry because that doesn't get it anywhere. We sang the song, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, Marvelous Grace. Grace changes people's lives. Rules and laws do not change people. You get an outward agreeance to what's going on, but God's grace is what changes us. God's grace is what draws us to him. You know, so many people have this picture of God that is just an angry, vicious God who's looking to crush them. I am so glad that that is not God. God loves us so much it says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever sh believes on him should be saved, should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, be saved. Have everlasting life. How? Because God loved us. Why he loves us? I don't know. He doesn't, shouldn't love me. I know that. You know, but he does. 
And he loves everybody in this room. And he loves everybody in this whole world. So much so that he came and died for them. So that they could be forgiven of their sins. That is something that is just so amazing to think about. And then we take it even back further and say he created man knowing we were going to sin and knowing that Jesus was going to die. And that is just mind-boggling to know that that's how much he loves us and he created us so that he would have us anyway. Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. There are times when we have to say hard things to people, but it needs to be by grace. And grace really is one of those things that says, I love you so much I can't let you continue with what you're doing. God has great grace for us and great love for us and great forgiveness for us, but it's only through Jesus Christ that we are forgiven. If you try to stand before God without Jesus Christ, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. If you stand before God at the white throne judgment in your righteousness, he's going to say, get these rags out of here. We have to stand clothed in Christ. And this is what he says, speaking always with grace. Now, how hard is it to speak with grace? Uh, it's so hard many times. We all spend time not speaking with gracious words. And a lot of times it's our family that can bring out those non-gracious words. <laughs> Easiest. Uh, and we just can strike out. Sometimes we think, well, they love me enough. I can say anything I want to them. But that's not what this verse says. This verse says, always speak with grace. Too many times we will strike out at our family because we, we've been so busy trying to be good all day that we just need somebody to let off my flesh. Yeah. And we've got to be careful of that. God says the flesh is to be crucified, not just at work, not just out shopping, but when we're at home. Our flesh needs to be crucified, speaking in grace. Again, it's God's work that does this. It's being tied into Jesus Christ and taking all my substance from him and being dead to my own flesh and taking that substance that comes from him. And then it says at the last part of this, that you may know how you ought to answer any man. For us as Christians, are we prepared to tell people why we believe what we believe? It is so important I talk with some people and they'll go, well, I just believe it because it's in the Bible. Well, that's a good starting place. Okay? If you're not going to be anywhere else, at least believe it because it's in the Bible. But you know what? It's not true because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it is true. All right? We need to be able to figure out why it's true. Okay? God said he created the heavens and the earth and man and all the creatures and animals and everything else that's in this world. It's not true just because God says it is. You can go back through the sciences and see that it is true when you look at real science that we can actually verify. Not the garbage that science is trying to teach us these days of evolution and all of that. There's no facts behind evolution. It doesn't hold up to scientific investigation. And yet we go back and say, this is what God says. How can we look at this? I've said this so many times. God is not afraid of you questioning him. Okay? Truth is never afraid of questions. 
Lies are always afraid of questions. If you're telling a lie, the last thing you want anybody to ever do is question you for the details of what you're lying about. Because you're on your feet trying to create more lies to support the lie that you've already said, and eventually you trip yourself up. This is how police officers find, their, find out that somebody's lying. They keep asking them enough questions and they end up tripping themselves over and saying contradictory things. If you speak the truth, and you're always telling the truth, you don't have to worry about tripping yourself up because you're saying what you've already experienced. God is not afraid of questions. Now, I know that there's lots of churches out there that are kind of treating God as if he's afraid of questions. You know, God is perfectly able to defend himself. He's perfectly able to express the truth of who he is. We need to just be able to go out and say, this is true. It's in the Bible because it's true. It can be examined. It can be checked out. It's been amazing how many people that have gone through to say, I'm going to disprove Christianity. Okay? And they go out to disprove Christianity, and what do they do? They end up being, becoming a Christian. Okay? Because the more they tear apart Christianity, the more they tear apart by the Bible, the more they find out that it is true. You know, every once in a while, I run across somebody who says, well, Jesus never, never lived. I go, well, you know nothing about history. Well, I just don't want to believe the Bible. Okay, let's go back to the Roman records. Let's go back to, to the historians of that day and find out that they all talked about Jesus. Now, did they say he was the Son of God? No, they didn't say he was the Son of God. But to deny that he existed is only a moronic idea because history tells us he did outside of the Bible. You know. Now, we need to keep these in mind. The facts for everything in the Bible are there if we just will search them out. Okay, Don't be afraid to question what you believe. Peter tells us to be ready always to give an answer to any man who asks us. Always. Not, you know, and I'm going to tell you, if all your answer is, well, I just believe it because that's what I grew up doing, that's what I, the Bible says, you're not going to convince anybody that it's true. That may be enough for you. I, and if it is, praise God. It, it's not, not enough for what we're told to do. And you know what? Never enough for me. I'm an analytical person. I want to know why I believe what I believe. And it has to come out to be true. God says, challenge it. Look at him. Isaiah says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Are we looking to reason with God? God is ready to reason with us. He is not saying, just believe it. Just believe Usually when somebody's telling you just believe, they'll end up attacking people who disagree with them because they have no stance to, to believe in. We are to be ready to give that answer. When somebody goes, well, you're just such a strange person, how can you be happy all the time? How can you stay calm in the middle of the storm? Let me tell you all about God. Let me tell you about the God who gives me the strength to be, to be joyful. Let me tell you about the God who gives me the strength to make it through the storm. Let me tell you about the God who provides all my needs. And then you just share. You share the God who's done all this stuff. So the challenge for us today is walk with God. Walk in wisdom. Really believe what you believe and know why you believe it. You know, we live in a time, and even in, even in all places, where 
wisdom and understanding and learning has been really washed away. Our schools don't teach people to think anymore. Okay, period. Our public schools, even our colleges, which used to be institutions where you could express your thoughts and learn how to think, are not places where you learn to think. You're told to repeat information that you're given them. I don't want to be a church like that. I want to be a church full of Bereans who go into the Bible and say, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, and can prove what they believe. Why? Because that's what's going to hold us together when troubles happen. We're getting closer and closer to the end days when it's going to be hard to be a Christian, and most people will not have enough courage to be a Christian. Because to be a Christian means you might die. You might be sent to prison. Where it will take great courage to be a Christian. The theme in, in the book of Josh, Joshua was be courageous and of good courage. Over and over, God kept telling Joshua, be courageous, be of good courage. In our day and age, we're, we need to be telling Christians, be of good courage. Because Christianity is not for wimps and sissies. It's for real men and women who are going to take a stand for God. And we need to be able to do that. Walk in wisdom. Your speech with grace and salt. Ready to honor God in all things. Giving an answer. And we're going to close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, if there's anybody listening to this um, online that doesn't know you, or even in this room that doesn't know you, we pray that today is the day that they will come to you. The day they, today they will recognize that they're a sinner in need of a Savior and confess their sins to you and ask you to come into their heart and repent. Lord, for those of us in this room and those listening that are Christians, we ask that you strengthen us, make us ready always to give an answer to you, for you, to really know what we believe and why we believe it. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.